God's love letter. And as we approach the final week of this series, as we wrap it all up uh, and get into our Easter celebration uh, that we'll be having next weekend, my prayer is that through this series, I, I really feel like God has been using this series to prepare us for next week. I believe he's been preparing our hearts to help us become more aware of how much he loves us and what he did for us and actually the, the sacrifice that was made and, you know, that we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he pulled us up out of that and breathed eternal life into our, our bodies if we have accepted him. And so I, I just believe God has been taking us through a, a journey uh, these past few weeks to prepare us for next weekend. And so I can't wait to see what's going to happen as we finish out uh, this series next week called uh, the God's Love Letter. Uh, I want to encourage you to invite uh, everyone that you know uh, next weekend. We've got a lot of activities going. That Easter egg hunt. If you've got kids, got grandkids, or know anybody that has kids or grandkids, invite them to the egg hunt. Uh, we're not having an egg hunt so that people will be saved. All right, we basically uh, have, have on purpose decided that God put us here in this community on purpose, for a purpose, and part of that is giving back to our community and extending the blessings uh, that he's given us as the church. Thank you for bringing candy, for eggs, for stuffing eggs. Uh, it's just been un unbelievable, the response that we've had from you. We are over uh, 30,000 eggs, and so uh, I know kids will be excited about that, and we just want to love on our kids. Uh, and show them the love of Christ. And if perhaps they see Jesus in us, they'll be drawn to Jesus and want to have a relationship with him too. Uh, but invite everyone that you know. Uh, and also uh, invite your friends and family members next Sunday. Uh, and Saturday night, Saturday night, 630, Sunday morning at 10. There won't be any Sunday school. We be, believe it'll be a powerful uh, time of, of God's presence and, and celebration. And I can't wait uh, to celebrate the love of God with our church family, with your families, and with your friends in our, in our community. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be wrapping up uh, out of this uh, letter. Uh, Paul's letter to the church here called God's love letter to the church. Uh, wrapping that up today uh, here in chapter 5. This series has been one of my favorites. Uh, I, I say that all the time, I know, but it's been absolutely one of my, my favorites. It's a powerful writing from the Apostle Paul about God's love. Uh, and last week, Paul, he began to teach us that, that uh, you know, our relationship with Jesus is, is like a journey. And, and, and he begins to teach us what a, our journey with Jesus will look like if we're walking with him and we're following him. And so we looked at last week how to walk with Jesus. Well, this week, today here in chapter 5, we're going to see Paul continue with this thing, continue with this idea of, of you know, our relationship with Jesus being like a journey and walking with him, this idea of walking with Jesus, uh, living our lives daily with Christ. Uh, a journey with Jesus doesn't just happen on Sunday, right? It's not just a Sunday drive that we take. It's a journey that, that happens the, uh, the other six days. We've talked about that. It's a journey that happens every moment, every hour, every day of every week, right? It's a, it's a journey with him, and he is always uh, with us. And so uh, we've been learning there's always a next step for us to take on the journey. You're not going anywhere if you're not taking steps. And so this is the picture this morning that Paul paints for us here in the, in the first verse here in chapter 5, verse 1. 
Uh, Paul writes this. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, there's a, there's a lot right here that we need to consider in this first verse before we ever go on and look at what else Paul has to say here in chapter 5. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is the word, therefore, uh, that, that's in this passage of Scripture. And if you've been around here a long time, uh, you might remember my pastor, Brother Jim Sanders, that pastored here for 27 years. Uh, he would say, anytime you came to a, uh, this word in Scripture, anytime you see therefore in Scripture, ask yourself what it's there for. All right, and, uh, and I've always remembered that. And so anytime I've seen that in Scripture, I've kind of said, okay, well, why is, what's it there for? Well, therefore, in this verse, is linking everything that he's been talking about in the previous chapters Everything that, that we've been uh, seeing over these past uh, six, seven weeks uh, in the previous chapters to what he's about to say next, okay? He's making the connection here that these two things are connected, right? And he's been telling us previously, he's been trying to help us to understand what it is that we've been saved from exactly how desperate uh, we needed to be saved and what we've been saved from. And then he went on to share with us what we were saved for. And now he's going to tell us what that looks like, all right? What that looks like. And we're encouraged here as followers of God, now that we know what we've been saved from and now that we know what we've been saved for, he says, as followers of God, other translations say imitators of God, that to walk with Christ... We're to live our lives like his dearly loved children. We're to live our lives as if he is our father. We're to live our lives as if he is our daddy. And Paul wants us to start out this, this way of thinking this morning uh, in that capacity. And, and many of you know uh, that my dad died a couple months ago. And, and uh, I haven't talked about that much from this platform at all. Uh, I'm, I'm emotional anyway, and so it's just basically uh, been sharing with my family about, you know, thoughts and memories of my dad. But uh, at my dad's memorial service, I shared something uh, that my sister and I put together uh, for his memorial service about our dad. Uh, it, I want to share it with all of you this morning, and, and I titled it, uh, because our daddy did, and it explains why we are uh, the way we are. And some of you may have seen this on social media that we shared, but I just wanted to share it with all of you this morning because I believe it captures this idea that Paul's talking about. If we talk louder than anyone else in the room, it's because our daddy did. And if you know my daddy, some of this is going to really make you laugh. My daddy's the loudest man in the world. Uh, and a lot of folks say that I'm getting louder as I get older. If we embarrass you by the things that we say, it's because our daddy did. If we say things that you think we shouldn't say, it's because our daddy did. If we've said things to referees or umpires that aren't so pleasant, it's because our daddy did. If we yell at our TV during a Razorback game, it's because our daddy did. If we embarrass our children and our grandchildren, it's because our daddy did. If we call you a whippersnapper, it's because our daddy did. If we call a spade a spade, it's because our daddy did. If we think you're being stupid and it's written all over our faces, it's because our daddy did. If it seems we have a lack of patience with you, it's because our daddy did. If we get annoyed with certain people easily, it's because our daddy did. 
If you tell us something and we say, huh, even though we heard you, it's because our daddy did. <laughs> if it seems we can be a bit hard-headed and stubborn about some things, it's because our daddy did. If when the driver in front of us mashes his brakes and we choose to mash the gas pedal, it's because our daddy did. <laughs> if we pass you on the road and we appear to be telling you how to drive, it's because our daddy did. If we pull in the driveway and say we're right back where we started from, it's because our daddy did. If we sing louder than anybody else around us, it's because our daddy did. If we call our kids after Razorback game and critique the play calling, <laughs> it's because our daddy did. If we have fun in everything that we do in life, it's because our daddy did. If we laugh when everyone else is crying, it's because our daddy did. If we fight with every ounce of our body to live as long as we possibly can, it's because that's what our daddy did. If we tell you we love you before we leave or hang up the phone, it's because our daddy did. If we serve our Lord and Savior until we don't have any strength left in our bodies, to do it anymore. It's because our daddy did. If we meet Jesus when we've taken our last breath, it's because our daddy did. Everything that we are today and everything that we will be in the future will be influenced by what our daddy did. And as I prepared for this message today, I believe this captures perfectly this idea of what Paul is wanting us to understand today. As followers of Jesus, right? As his children, we will imitate him. We will follow his example. If we are his children, we will be like our dad. We will be like him. A child who is dearly loved by their father will want to imitate their father. They will take on the traits of their father. I can remember when I was a little kid and, and uh, I, I would do this with my dad. My dad was in construction all my life when I was young, so I was on a lot of job sites uh, picking up nails. I was reminded uh, back here one day we were cleaning up and, and the nails and the screws that were everything, and I was reminded of daddy because it was often my job to pick up all the nails and all the screws and then separate the screws from the nails and then separate the bent nails from the straight nails. And so I, I was tasked with doing that a lot, but I would see my daddy's footprints in the sawdust and I would step in them because that's where my daddy had walked. And my grandpa would till his garden and, and, and use his tiller and he had these big feet and he walked. He had he, one foot turned out a little and, a one, and the other foot turned out a lot. And I just thought that was incredible that somebody could walk with their feet like that and, and follow that tiller. And so what I would do is I would walk behind him and I would put my foot, my feet, my little tiny feet in those huge footprints and I would follow in the footsteps of my grandpa and I would follow in the footsteps uh, of my daddy. And that's been my prayer for, for you. That's been my prayer for me is that we would all be followers of Jesus. We would be imitators of Jesus. We would follow his example and so what does that look like for us? What, what does it look like? Well, I believe in this chapter, we're going to see Paul. He's going to point out several things, but I believe there's three specific 
family traits, if you will. All right, if you're part of the family, I believe there's some family traits that you and I will have as his kids and as his children. And, and the first trait that we see here is this. We're, we're going to walk in love. As we journey with Jesus, as we are his kids, we're, we're going to walk in love. Look at verse 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ, just as your daddy loved you, right? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The first example of our father, the first example of our daddy that we see here is that we are to walk in the way of love. Just like it is with our father, love should be at the core of everything we do as followers of Jesus. Love should be at the core of everything that we do in the church of the Nazarene. Love should be at the core of it all because that is exactly what God is all about. Right? God is love. Jesus uh, loved us. And so uh, everything that we do should be centered around the love of Christ. The problem is this. I don't think we fully understand what love is sometimes. I believe we think of love and we think, well, love is some kind of some emotion that I experience. Love is something that gives me a, a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? And so I feel good about myself or feel good about where I've been. So Paul goes on to say, you know, I'm going to give you some examples of what love looks like. And again, the example is him. The example is Jesus. We're supposed to love like Jesus loved us. So how much did Jesus love us? How much, how much did he love you? Well, he loves you this much. Arms open wide. Uh, we, we sang about it earlier. This is what Holy Week is all about, right? That's why Palm Sunday and the journey into Jerusalem and the crucifixion on the cross is all about. He stretched out his arms for you on a cross and he died for you. He didn't die for himself. He, he died for you because of his great love for you that we've been talking about these past several weeks. That's the kind of love that Paul is saying we should walk in. That's a little different than a warm, fuzzy feeling when you start thinking about stripes on your back and and nails in your hands and hanging on a cross and not being able to breathe and suffocating in death. That, that's not a warm, fuzzy feeling kind of love, is it? And Paul says, you know, we should walk in this kind of love. This is the kind of love that, that we should live in our daily lives. Listen, if, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian today, you're carrying the name of your Lord and Savior. We talked about it last week. If you call yourself a Christian, you're saying, I'm Christ's child. Right? I'm part of that family, and we've taken his name, and as his child, we're to follow the example that he's given us as his father and walk in the same kind of love that he did. And Paul, uh, and, and we see all throughout Scripture, the kind of love that he has for us is a self-sacrificing love, not a self-seeking kind of love. It's a self-sacrificing kind of love, and that places the needs and the desires of others before our own, Right? That, that puts the needs of, of others uh, before our own. It's a love that's willing to serve others regardless of the cost, right? We're too worried about how much it costs. Loving others is, is, is putting others first regardless of what the cost is, what the personal cost may be, whether they ask for it or not, whether they deserve it or not, or whether they appreciate it or not. We're to love them. We're to love them. That's how Jesus loved you. Right? I mean, I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, 
Think back to the night where uh, Jesus met with his disciples for the very last time in the upper room, called the Last Supper, right? It's where we, we get our Holy Communion from. And, and so they're, they're meeting uh, on that night, and you'll remember that while they were together, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, right? It was an act of a servant, and he washed the disciples' feet. And I want you to think about who was there with them when he did this. Judas was in the room. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, the one who, who turned Jesus in basically and, and was the reason Jesus went to the cross and was crucified. Judas was there. And what did Jesus do when he came to Judas in that room? He washed his feet, right? He washed his feet. Think about it. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. In just the next few hours, Jesus knew that it was going to be Judas who would give him up to be crucified, and he humbly got on his knees on the ground and washed his feet like a servant to the one who would send him to the cross. And, and, and Paul is saying, we're to follow his example. Be imitators of that, right? Be imitators of that. Be imitators of Christ. That's how we're to love. That's how we're to serve unconditionally. And this passage goes on to give us three, three ways. First, we walk in this kind of love by preserving our loving relationships that we have with others. Look at what Paul chose to group together here in the next verse. Verse 3 as he wrote about this. He said, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. All right, he speaks about sexual immorality and any kind of impurity. And then he mentions greed or, or coveting. And, and think about it. The things that he mentions here, these things are based on our own personal desires, right? The, these are things that, that are based on the desires of our personal pleasures without regard for other people often. And often, you know, the people that we love and are closest to us and the things that Paul mentions here are more about this kind of love. I love you for what you can do for me, right? That's often how we love other people. We love, you know, I love you for what you can do for me. I love you for how you make me feel. And do you see how opposite that is from the kind of love that Jesus had, Right? He loved us knowing that there was no way that we could repay him. He loved us anyway, knowing there was nothing that we could do in return to repay him. And so our relationships with others should reflect that kind of love as well. Walking in love not only shows itself in our relationships, close relationships with others, but it also shows up in our speech. It shows up in our talk, in the way we talk. Look at verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, he said, our speech should be of thanksgiving, right? He says, our talk will be loving. And we've been through this before. We talk about this a lot, the power of the tongue. Our tongues are either build up or they tear down, right? They either bless or they curse, we're either speaking life into someone or we're speaking death in, into someone. When we imitate Jesus and walk in love, our speech will reflect that. 
All right? We'll be encouraging. We'll be building each other up and not tearing each other down. And, and think about it. When we do that, we magnify God when we do that. We glorify God. How does that, Steve? Well, you're glorifying and magnifying the very ones that he created. Right? When we're building them up and we're, we're encouraging them up, we're lifting up the name of God and doing that. All right? To, to build each other up. We magnify uh, God and his creation. And the third way that we demonstrate this love that we see here is by preserving the fellowship. We, we talked last week uh, about the importance of unity and how Paul talked about one a lot and, and that we're not to be divided, that, that we're one. Look at verse 5. He says, for this you can be sure. All right, he's saying, write this down. I think there's a country song about that. But, but he, he's saying, you know, for, for this you can be sure. Write it down in your book. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. He says such a person like this is an idolater, by the way. No immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And let me just stop right there and say this, and this is not popular preaching, and you probably won't hear it from many preachers today, but what Paul is doing here is saying there's a lot of people that think they're going to heaven and ain't going. There's a lot of people singing, I'll fly away, and I'm talking about home, and I want to go home, and what a day that'll be when that day comes are not going to be pleased with the end result, right? Because these people right here that he talks about will have no inheritance in the kingdom, all right? Now, that's not popular, but it's the Bible. It's the truth. And there's a lot of folks in churches today singing, I'm going to fly away when they ain't flying nowhere, all right? And then he goes on, so don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. Watch out for people telling you that this isn't true, all right? Watch out for people that won't preach the truth to you, is what he's saying. May not be pleasant. Listen, God didn't call me to be popular. He called me to preach, <laughs> right? You can vote me out for not being popular, but I'm going to preach somewhere else, all right? So he says, don't be deceived with, with, with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. God's wrath is going to come on people who aren't obedient, the ones that are disobedient. Therefore, don't even be partners with them. Don't partner with them. All right? This is a wake-up and, wake and open-your-eyes statement Paul's making here. Right? And, and here's the deal. If we're part of the body of Christ... We're part of the church. We've talked about it. We're the bride. And if we have unloving relationships and we use unloving speech, we're tearing apart that fellowship. Right? We're, we're tearing it apart. We're not united. We're not one. We're tearing it apart when we're, we're doing these things. And Paul warns us here, you know, not only don't do it, but don't partner with other people that are doing it. If you've got somebody that you're hanging around and they're talk, talk, constantly tearing down and criticizing and being negative, cut them loose. Get them out of your life, right? I believe that's what Paul's saying here. Don't be associated with them who cause division. We're not, we're not divided people. We're unified people. We are, we are one, and he warns us, don't partner with people like that. It's destructive. In order to walk in love, we can't walk in immorality. We can't walk in greed. We can't walk in selfishness. We can't walk uh, in impure actions and language. That kind of walk is not a walk with Jesus. It's not. It's not a walk with Jesus. Y'all are so quiet, and I'm preaching. All right. That, <laughs> and not only that, not only, you know, is that kind of walk not a walk with Jesus, this kind of walk does not take you to the inheritance of God's kingdom, is what Paul is saying. To walk like our Father, we're going to walk in love. 
to walk like our Father. We're going to have loving relationships. We're going to have loving speech. We're going to have a loving fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not going to argue about paint colors or carpet colors, are we? Huh? No, we are not. All right? And so walking in love is the first example that, that we're to follow. The second trait that we see is that an imitator of God, a follower of God, is walking in the light. All right, look at verse 8 and 10. For you once were darkness, right? You were face down floating in the sea of your sin, dead. Remember where he brought us from? For you were once darkness, but now... If you've accepted him and you're a follower of Jesus, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, he says. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what it is that pleases the Lord. An imitator of God's going to walk in the light. Most of you that are around here very much, you know me well enough to know that I've got some issues. I, you know, there's, I'm quirky, I know. You know, there's sometimes when I just go, I can't believe God even made somebody that has so many hangups as I do. I have issues. But I'm going to tell you one thing that drives me absolutely crazy. Came to my mind yesterday and this morning, it was just magnified as I drove to church. But I cannot stand, all right? I, I, don't, I probably shouldn't tell you all this. I cannot, absolutely cannot stand for the inside of my truck windshield to be streaky and be all messed up. It drives me absolutely up the wall. I mean, it's almost more than I can stand. I, sometimes, some days I need medication. Uh, and, and yesterday I noticed it, you know. But, you know, the outside can be covered with bugs, and that's okay because I can't do anything about the outside, especially this time of year and, and, and throughout the, the summer. But the inside, I need it to be clean, all right? But I can't ever seem to get it clean. I, I've tried, you know, I've tried everything. I clean it the best that I know how. I've bought certain kind of rags. I've used newspaper. I bought this some kind of font, some something, something that costs way too much from Duluth Trading Company. They said it would get the smears off your windows. They lied. But, and here's what's crazy. You know, I think I've always done a good job cleaning it when I'm cleaning it and think, you know, man, that's perfect. I finally got it. I finally got it clean. You know, there's no streaks in it. And then the next morning I get up and I start driving to church and we live out west, which means I'm driving here going east and the sun shines in that windshield. And there are those blooming streaks again, right? Uh, you know, and I think that I've got it all clean, and then the light hits it just right. You know what I'm saying? The light's got to hit it just right in order for you to, be, to see the smudges and the streaks and, and what you've missed. And, 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 you know, that's exactly what happens to our lives when we walk in the light of Christ. That, that's exactly what that looks like. When, when Jesus saves us, what happens? Our body becomes his temple. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. And John chapter 16, verse 8 tells us, Jesus told the disciples that it was the Holy Spirit's job to reveal our sin. Right? It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal sin, the smudges, the dirt, the streaks in, in our life, right? So when we're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our bodies to shine his light of righteousness around, right? You see what's going on here? And he shines that light in every crack and corner where we don't want him looking sometimes and exposes the dirt, exposes the sin, exposes all this in our lives. Not to condemn us, not to put the spotlight on it and say, oh, look what I found and condemn us because, you know, we've sinned, but it's so that we will know it's there and we will allow him to clean it up, right? 
That's why he shines the light. He's looking so that, you know, we might turn away from it and we might allow God uh, to, to clean it up and to be set free from it. Why do we want to be set free from it? So we can be more like our daddy who was holy and who was perfect. And he wants to continually do that uh, in our lives. And so he shines uh, this light. And, and, and we, we walk in the light. We can't hide from it. Because when the Holy Spirit shines that light, we can't close our eyes to what the light is revealing. Now listen, when I was driving here this morning and that sunlight hit that windshield just in the right way, I could have closed my eyes and not seen that. Right? I could have done that. I don't know who would have been preaching here for you today. But I could have closed my eyes and not seen what was there, right? And that would have been very destructive for me and possibly some people around me. You see what I'm saying? When it's exposed by the light, we can't just close our eyes to it and ignore it and hope that it goes away. Because if we do, it grieves our Father because those things that are being exposed are not like Him. And so we got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit trying to work in our lives that's shining this light to reveal these things in our hearts and in our lives. We have to listen when He speaks. We have to walk in the light. And there are three ways that we walk in the light. The first way that we walk in the light is by being in His Word. If you are not in His Word, you're walking in the dark. The way that we walk in the light is by walking in the Word and being in Scripture. And, and, and you know what? The, the psalmist said that God's Word is, here's a great example, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's what the Bible says the Word is. And He's not going to show you everything that He has for you all at one time. Right? He's not going to take the light that's shining on your feet and tilted up where you can see what's coming a few miles down the road. That's not important right now. What is important is that next step you're about to take, right? And that's where the light shines is on the next step. Hey, he's going to show you that. He lights up your feet. Why? So you can keep from stumbling. So you can see what's there. So you won't fall when you take that next step. So you won't stomp your toe on some temptation or, or something. This is good preaching. Y'all are just, golly. Frank, I can't wait till next week. No, I, I cannot wait. But he, he lights up our path. Why does he light up? So we'll know which direction to go. If it's not lit up, you're going to get on the wrong path. Or you're going to just wander off in some woods and get poison ivy all over. You know, you don't want to do that. He shines the light so we know where to go. So that we won't trip and, and, and fall. And not only do you walk in his light by being in the word, but you also walk in the light by examining your works. It's very important that you step back every once in a while and you say, what kind of fruit am I producing? Because scripture is very clear that we will produce fruit, right? So step back and look and say, what kind of fruit am I producing? You know, I call myself an apple tree, but if I'm producing oranges, something's bad wrong with that. What kind of fruit are you bearing Remember earlier in the series, Paul tells us that everything that God did for us to save us was so that he could use us to do good works, right? To build the kingdom, to build the church. Your works, the, the things that you do, the way that you live will show evidence of who your daddy is. It will show evidence of your salvation experience. That's why Paul starts out here mentioning a few examples of the fruit of the Spirit, he says, you know, if you bear the, the fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth, then you're imitating your father. You look like your dad if, if this is the fruit that you have. But if you bear the fruit of darkness, right, you need to let the light of the Holy Spirit expose that. 
and help you out with that and take care of that. Look at verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, right? But rather expose them. It is the shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Look, look at how Paul describes this fruit. These bad works, what does he call them? He calls them deeds of darkness, right? I always told our boys when they were living at home and they were teenagers, they had to be home at midnight. And they would say, well, why midnight? You know, our other friends get to stay out later. I'm like, nothing good ever happens after midnight. All right, it just doesn't. And, and, and parents, if you're having an issue with your kid not being in by midnight, you can make them be in by midnight. I mean, you could do that. Uh, just th because nothing good happens, you know, from midnight on till sunrise. Nothing good has ever happened during that, that time. And, and, and so, you know, it's true. Sin, sin looks for the darkest places to hide, doesn't it? It looks for the darkest places to hide. And when Jesus saves us, we're to have nothing to do with the works of darkness, Paul is saying. Things that aren't good fruit. Right, and, and so you can only do that if you're walking in the light and you're examining uh, your works and your fruit. So we walk in the light by being in his word. We walk in the light by examining our fruit or our works. And then we walk in the light by allowing Jesus to examine our heart. Because honestly, sometimes good works aren't a true indicator of our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Sometimes the good that someone does is not a true indicator if they have a relationship with Jesus, right? As a matter of fact, that's probably one of the biggest complaints that people uh, have against the church that don't go to church. Uh, they'll, they'll look at the church and they'll go, well, you know, the church is filled with all of these hypocrites. And yeah, they act like, you know, there's somebody special on Sunday, but then they, you know, they act like this the rest of the week. And, and to be quite honest with you, I'm a better person and I do more good things than, than the people that go to your church, right? And, you know, sadly, honestly, sad, that's sometimes true. Okay, so, sometimes it is. And I've known some people and, and, and you may too that were really good people. And they did a lot of really good things. And they would do anything in the world for you, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and they're lost. Right? It doesn't matter how good they were, how much good they did. And if they died today doing the nicest things that anybody could do in the whole wide world, they would still be in the same shape as a mass murderer that didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It would be no different. No different whatsoever. Because here's the deal, folks. Your works don't save you. Your works and what you do good will not save you. Jesus saves you, and he is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. His righteousness saves you. His blood saves you. And so we must let him uh, shine his light into our hearts and examine our lives. Are our works about our glory or are our works to build the kingdom? Right? As a follower of Jesus, as an imitator of Jesus, we will walk in the light in these areas that Paul talks about. And finally today, we're going to see um, that a follower of Jesus and an imitator of our Father will be walking in wisdom. All right? We'll be walking in wisdom. Look at verse 15. He says, be very careful then. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul says a child of God will walk in wisdom. 
And he says, be very careful. The, the King James Version says to walk circumspectly. Circum means basically around. And speckly means to look like spectacles. Okay, so Paul's saying be very careful. And when you're being very careful, what are you doing? You're looking around, right? You're, you're being very careful. You're more aware of what is going on around you. You're more aware of, uh, of those who are around you, right? So if we're going to be imitators of God, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be like our daddy, children that imitate our, our father, like verse 1 says that we should do, what are we going to do? We're going to be very careful. We're, we're going we're to be aware of what's all going around, uh, what's going around what's going on around us, right, in our lives and in our world, and we're not going to walk foolishly because we're being very careful not to do that. We're going to keep our eyes open to the world around us, right? But don't miss this. Being wise doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from the world. That, that's not what being wise means. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from everyone else. As a matter of fact, you can't isolate yourself from the world and walk in wisdom. We're called to live in this world. We're called to be the light in this world. And, and, and to be the light of the world, but without being of the world, right? We're to be in the world, but not be of the world. And that takes wisdom. It takes being very careful, and how, how you live. You need to have your eyes open to the world around you because here's the deal. There's an enemy that's, roaring around, that's uh, roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? There, there's one out there who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to be aware. We need to be paying attention and walking wisely and not just taking for granted we're on this great stroll with Jesus and everything's just lovely, all right? Be careful. Be aware. Walk wisely because anything else is foolish. And then he says this. And while you're on this walk with Jesus, make the most of every opportunity. I challenge you sometime just to go through and read the life of Jesus, the 33 years that he was here on this earth. And look at what he did. He made the most of every opportunity that he had. And Paul says, as his children, that's what we'll do. We'll make the, the most of every opportunity. Every minute that ticks off your clock is just another minute closer to the return of Jesus, right? Every minute that has, has transpired or expired here today means that we're one more minute closer to, to his return. And Paul says, you know, the return of Christ is closer than it's ever been. And oh, by the way, the days are evil. The, the, the days are evil. That's why we need to use every minute. That's why we need to be aware every hour. That's why we need to use every day wisely. And this week, you're going to have a lot of opportunities. There's going to be a lot of opportunities that come in your path this week. Opportunities to love other people. Opportunities to serve other people. Opportunities to invite people to our community egg hunt to expose them to a loving church and a loving God. You're going to have several opportunities to invite people to our Easter services next weekend where they will hear about the love of Jesus that we've been talking about for all these weeks now. And they're going to be invited to have a relationship with him next week. And so you're going to have several opportunities this coming week to invite someone to come.
so that they can hear about Jesus. Listen, I can't imagine anything worse than standing before Jesus. And we all will. Make no mistake about it. I can't imagine anything worse than standing before Jesus after knowing everything that he did for me. After knowing what he went through in this holy week for me. And explaining why I wasted the precious time that he gave me on trivial things and things that were foolish. Paul says, be careful. Be so very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but be wise. Be wise. Imitating our dad. Walking in, in love. Walking in light. Walking wisely. And as children of God, listen, this is how we will walk. Because our daddy did. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you again today for this reminder of your awesome love. For the awesome sacrifice that was made on our behalf. The blood that was shed on Calvary for our sins so that our sins could be washed and made white as snow. But God, that doesn't apply to us if we've never received it. If, if we've never accepted it. And, and there are so many people that have a head knowledge of you and uh, a head knowledge of what you did, but it's never made its way to their heart. And so, God, I pray today that every single one of us would just kind of step back and look and see what kind of fruit it is that we're producing. Are, are we living our lives in love? Are, are we living lives that bring about unity and, and peace? And so, God, we thank you for a word that challenges us and God, that not only challenges us, but shines a light on some things that you just want to help us with. Not to make us feel guilty, not to make us feel condemned, but so that you can make us better. So that you can make us more like you. You can make us more in your image. The image of our dad. The image of our heavenly father. That's your desire is that we would look more like you. And as we walk with you, as we spend more time with you, we can't help but be more like you. We will begin to sound like you. We will walk the way that you walk. And so, God, we, we thank you for giving us the opportunity, for, for allowing us the, the opportunity to, to be your children, to be your servants, and to do your work here on this earth, and to build your kingdom and build your church. I pray that we would never take that call on our lives and on our church lightly. No matter the cost, may your kingdom increase and may we decrease. And I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of your children today. And I look forward to what you're going to do in the days ahead. And I pray that everything will glorify and honor you as our dad. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.